Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Lee, it's good to see you. Thanks so much for coming on. Hi, Drew. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, delighted to be here. You're welcome. I was, I've been looking forward to this. So, you know, we, I, I enjoy talking with people who, uh, like yourself, who've gone through a lot in life and um, been able to, to get through it and get through it stronger. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how you're, you and your business and personally you're thriving. And um, this gives the audience an opportunity to realize that we go through things in life that challenge us. And if we're, when we're up to the challenge, we're going to come through fine. So you're going to give some inspiration to the audience. So, you know, tell me a little about yourself growing up and, and where your defining moment occurred and, and, and how it all came about. Sure. I think I've had a few defining moments over the past <laughs> few years. <laughs> I think you have. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let me start off by saying that um, uh, I'm based in, here in Manchester in the UK, mm-hmm. but I was originally born in uh, Kashmir, uh, which is north of Pakistan, mm-hmm. and I moved to the UK when I was seven years old mm-hmm. uh, to be with my uh, father who was working here. And um, that was the first um, kind of uh, moment where I became self-aware mm-hmm. in terms of uh, coming to a new country, uh, learning a new language, making new friends uh, from, you know, nothing, and not actually being able to speak the language, okay? So, and there wasn't a lot of um, Asian families uh, around where I lived. Okay. Uh, so, it's a brand new culture for me, and it was a kind of a, sh- I would say that for about 12 months, I was in kind of a shell shock, okay, in terms right. of, understanding where have I come, why have I come (laughs) place when, and the other big thing was I came from, um, my grandparents had a a massive farm in Kashmir. Mm -hmm. So I actually had, you know, uh, the the freedom of the valley that I lived in because I could actually roam about everywhere. I was free. And then I've come to the UK and we moved to a little uh, street and all the houses are next door to each other. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you feel so boxed in. Yes. Okay. Um, and that for me was the biggest, um, I think, change uh, right. for me to actually cope with because actually having that freedom uh, in the green valleys of Kashmir right. and then coming to a smog filled environment (laughs) geez what a transition i'm telling you what a transition yeah so i think that that was the first defining moment and then um i think uh the next defining moment was uh when i was in my uh, um, early teens mid-teens around 13 14 and that's when uh my father who was working in the cotton industry uh here Mm. in manchester um, he was made redundant because um, the cotton industry here in the UK was going through some big changes. Right. And he got made redundant. And what happened was, what I saw was that he'd actually given up uh, because the cotton industry was his life. So he worked, 
in the cotton industry in India and he came to the UK and he worked in the cotton industry and that's all he actually knew. And then when he was actually made redundant and all the factories had actually closed down, um, he kind of gave up and he didn't actually have a life plan as to do what to do uh, right. after his working life. So um, his health deteriorated. Um, he um, obviously got diabetes and he didn't really know how to cope and also, um, you know, and how to communicate that to his family as well. So right. uh, what I saw was, you know, a very healthy man in his mid-40s, within a couple of years, dwindled into someone, you know, who was, um, you know, not even 10% of the person that he was a couple of years ago. So yeah. having experienced that at first hand, I made a vow that whatever I do in life, that I will never, ever give up. Okay. Oh, and I will always have yeah. whatever happens to me, mm -hmm. uh, I will not put myself in that position where I give up. Well, you know, there's so, there's so much there, Lee, when, you know, most men, and I'm sure you can attest to this, we tie our self-worth to the industry in which we work and we define ourselves by our profession. And when we tie our, our, our self-identity to an outside entity or circumstance, we're at risk for losing our identity. And, and I can feel for your father because, you know, when a decision like the cotton industry moving out of the UK happens, he had a choice of either moving with it <laughs> to wherever yeah. it was going or staying home. And, um, you know, it, it had to be difficult for you to see that. Um, and, and, and I know you're living your vow right now. So tell me more about, um, you know, did, I, did you attempt, at, I mean, it's a young age when this happened to your father for you to be in your teens. Yeah. Did you ever have, sit down and talk with him? Well, I couldn't because I wasn't that aware about emotional health at right. that point because this right. was the early 80s. And mm. at that point, I think nobody was actually having these kind of conversations. Very true. Okay, because it was all uh, man up, um, <laughs> you know. Um, and when you're, a, when you're a teenager uh, and you don't, you're not actually aware of these issues, mm -hmm. um, and obviously he had some, obviously he had some medical help. He was going for, um, you know, sessions with um, uh, the doctors and the psychiatrists and things like that. But um, it was it, it was quite a difficult time because we we were actually at a loss as to why he's actually going through that right. uh, because I mean these kind of issues weren't actually around at that time and mm. um, it had. Had we had the, you know, the, the hindsight of, um, you know, dealing with emotional issues or, uh, you know, putting together a new life plan or yeah. uh, things like this, um, it would have actually helped a lot. But obviously, early 80s, um, we didn't have the uh, privilege of that kind of knowledge. Right. Absolutely. So tell me, um, after, you know, your dad started to deteriorate um what what happened to him after that did they, you said he had diabetes and yeah so unfortunately he passed away i'm sorry <clears throat> he had a heart attack in mm -hmm. um uh 87 uh, i think it was when i was 17 Jeez. and okay. um 
that made my life, those few years obviously made my life quite uh, challenging as well. Uh, because we, we were a family of um, uh, seven children uh, mm-hmm. within the family. Um, and I was uh, the eldest boy, uh, the second eldest um, in the family. And um, yeah, so that left uh, a big void uh, in our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to obviously um, look at my life and, you know, where I was going with it, because um, uh, obviously my mom was alone. Uh, she was going to bring up um, six siblings between, yeah. um, you know, three years old and um uh 15 years old and i was 17 at the time and uh, obviously i needed to support her with it as well Uh, we had an elder sister who had actually moved away when she was married so uh that was a very very challenging time um so uh, i had to make some difficult choices in terms of you know where to move forward with my education Mm -hmm. uh what i was actually going to do with my life and the opportunities uh, that were actually open to me at that time were very limited as well. Um, uh, so um, uh, I got into a uh, an apprenticeship scheme at an engineering company doing mm-hmm. accountancy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the smile yeah. on your face. I'm sure there's a story yeah. behind that. <laughs> yeah. So I did two years of the apprenticeship mm-hmm. and... Um, after the two years, I approached the company and I asked them, uh, so my apprenticeship is now up. Um, what's, what's next for me? Uh, uh, they said, yeah, we've really appreciated all your uh, hard work. You've done really, really well. And we'd love to take, keep you on, but we're only going to give you a salary raise of £500 mm-hmm. per year. Okay. £500. Considering that I'd worked my butt off, for yeah. two years right. to prove myself, okay, I only got a raise for, uh, I got an offer to raise my salary. And considering that it was actually on a very low apprenticeship wage as well Yes. Uh, at that time, uh, I was just uh, shell-shocked. And what I said to the boss, I said, well, uh, now I know how much I am of value to you. <laughs> Um, thank you very much for all the support that you've given me, but I think my time here is up. <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. You knew your um, value and <laughs> they yeah, undervalued you. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I walked out there and then uh, straight after the meeting. I right. said, I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I started, uh, I had no life plan. Okay. I didn't have any jobs lined up. Right. And uh, what happened was, uh, I came home and uh, my mom asked me, oh, what's happened? Do you look a bit upset? I said, well, I've just walked out of um, of my job. And um, so, and I remember back uh, at that time, I was 19, and I remember back um, when in my school days, mm-hmm. looking at the newspaper job adverts, and, um, and I always used to see these uh, job adverts for salespeople, okay? Yeah. Earn like fifty thousand pounds, you know, there company you car. Right, of <laughs> course. Yeah, the company car, the shiny objects. Yep, I got so it. shiny objects, all of that. And then I said, okay, let me uh, get a newspaper and I'll see what's going on, and um, I'll see if I can get one of those jobs. Um, <laughs> so I actually applied online to this uh, very small advert. Uh-huh. And said, earn like five hundred pounds a week. 
um, uh, sales. So I went in, and that's when my love affair with uh, sales actually started. Okay. okay? Yeah. And, the, and the job was selling timeshare. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> timeshare. I know that well. Uh, maybe you approached yeah. me. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what? That was the best education Good. I ever had in my life. Okay. The sales manager at the time took me to one side, okay? And he said, this is um, how you sell. This is how we sell. And I remember the training to this day because mm -hmm. I still use the same principles. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and that kind of was the pivotal moment for me where it, everything changed for me because all of a sudden... Uh, my communication skills improved. Mm -hmm. uh, my questioning skills improved. Okay. My my listening skills definitely improved. <laughs> well, so what? Wait, can you, uh, can you shed some light on what these these training was? Because I'm sure I'm sure I could use some of this. <laughs> yeah. The the emphasis on the training was to get to know your the person in front of you. The relationship, okay? right? Build that relationship. Don't even talk about what you're selling for the first 20 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Just focus on the relationship right. and just focus on their needs, their challenges. Mm -hmm. Okay. And take walk a, walk a mile in their shoes. In their shoes, right. Okay. Right. And build that empathy. Okay. And then, okay, you can actually present your solutions in a language that they will actually understand. Wow. Okay. That's, so that's, to be able to have somebody in the timeshare industry be able to train you like that is unbelievable. That's absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We were banned from talking about the product for the first 30 to 40 I love minutes. That. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. the emphasis and also considering that we were actually doing off-site selling. We weren't actually on-site at the resort. Okay? Oh, okay. So we were stuck in an office in Manchester, wow. selling resorts in Belen Medina in Spain, south wow. of Spain. Yeah. Um, and it was all of video and a, a brochure. Okay. Wow. So <laughs> okay, that's chat's a challenging. Uh, okay. This, yeah. uh, this is 1989, 1990. Wow. There's, there's no PowerPoints. Right. Okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> See this brochure. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, anything like that. Right. So uh, you actually had no choice but to build that relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. And for you to build a friendship with that person within the hour. Mm -hmm. And then have them write a check, okay, or uh, get their credit card out and spend five to ten thousand dollars with you, okay. I remember they were a complete stranger to you one hour ago, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And then they're giving you uh, five to ten thousand uh, pounds or dollars, okay, mm -hmm. to buy something that they actually had no idea that they were actually going to buy wow. an hour ago. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. So. Um, so I learned from that, and um, um, and then obviously I moved on uh, after a couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, went into telesales, which again uh, was a great education on yeah. how to build relationships over the telephone. Of course. Um, and then um, I had the opportunity to work for an American company called Ninex. Uh, okay, I've the, heard uh, of them. Yeah. They, they they were the pioneers of cable television uh, and telephony here in right. the UK. Mm -hmm. 
back in the early 90s and um, I did a wonderful four and a half, five years with them. Mm-hmm. And that was knocking door to door, selling cable TV. <laughs> All the different types of sales. You got door to door, you got the cold calling, you got the timeshare. That, no, that's, a, that's just a wonderful, wonderful education uh, that you. Absolutely, yeah. So uh-huh. um, the biggest education was to get to talk to different types of people right. and get a viewpoint of their world. Mm. Because we had different demographics. Right. When you're selling door to door, you have the multi-million pound houses, mm-hmm. and then you have, um, you know, the um, uh, the flats that people live in, right. mm-hmm. or the you know the local city-run um, uh, flats and housing housing as well. Right. Um, so you got a viewpoint of uh, every uh, person from every walk of life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and that really gave me a really great grounding in terms of understanding different viewpoints, okay, and different perspectives of how people think and how their status, okay, in society also influences how they actually think as well. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that taught me a lot. And then uh, I got made redundant um, at, uh, oh, well, I actually chose redundancy. uh, How was it? Okay. Right. Uh, four and a half, five years um, right. of uh, being on the road. Um, and um, uh, the internet came along. Here we uh, go. So decided, uh, <laughs> Here we go. So um, I remember I didn't take um, computers at school. Right. I knew nothing. So I decided that with my redundancy money, that I was actually going to take um part of that money and invested into a computer good for you okay um so um and at that time computers were being advertised in the local newspapers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i filled the form in the newspaper ordered the uh, computer and uh within a year i had actually learned how to design websites there we go (laughs) wow yeah from no knowledge to using Adobe Page yeah. to, to design business websites. So wow. then I set up a business to help the local businesses around Manchester uh, to get them online and have a web presence. And That's great. Um, so I was doing that for a couple of years and then mobile technology came along. Okay. Um, and uh, we started, I started, I got an offer from a friend um, that I knew uh, to come and work for him. Uh, and he had a company that was doing um, uh, mobile content uh, for okay. the cell phones. Right. Okay, so right. you remember the ringtones and logos, the black and white ringtones and logos? I do. <laughs> yeah, I certainly do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the company I was working with, they were designing platforms to be able to order those ringtones and logos okay. uh, via television, via yeah. the actual mobile phone itself. Hmm. So I spent a wonderful five years working for that company as an international strategy manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, again, um, I was in the right place at the right time. Mm. So we went from cable television, which was quite new in the UK, to, well, and then to the internet, right. and then to mobile technology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then I gradually moved into broadcasting, working on behind the scenes of a, um, uh, a game show. Uh, oh, that, no, um, um, that we had in Paris, in the UK, and also in um, 
uh, the US on the Game Show Network. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was my working life. Okay. And then I decided that enough was enough working for other people. And I decided to start my own business. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I mean, and, and all right. So how old were you then when you decided to, to, to start your own business? It's like 30? I was 35. 35. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's about so that it's time. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's never, never too late. late. Right. And the wake up call was uh, for five years, I'd actually been working for this mobile company and we'd been doing a lot for them. I was traveling a lot for them. Right. Um, and the thing is that company grew very fast mm. over the five years. And the more you did, the more was, uh, the more it was actually demanded of you. Okay, okay. Of course. Yeah. And then I thought I was getting to a stage of burnout. Okay. And I thought, well, I need to do something for myself. Okay, uh, I need um, to breathe. Okay, I need to spend time with my young family because at mm, that time right. I also had five children of myself. <laughs> at 35, you had five, yeah, absolutely. wow, yeah. And yeah. now you're nearing, yeah, close to the age of your father when he was yeah. redundant in the cotton industry and he had seven kids, so yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, here we go, yeah. okay, yeah. So I'm 53 now. And um, so I've been in business for the past 15 years. Okay, wonderful. And that's been a fantastic achievement because, as you know, 85% of uh, new businesses fail within the five years. Right, okay? right. So for me to be able to survive um, 15 years uh, has been absolutely brilliant. That's great. And then the second thing I'm very proud about is that I fell into the trade show industry completely by mistake. Um, by mistake. Uh, you do a lot of by mistakes and you're in the right place <laughs> at the right time. I want to yeah. hear about this trade show stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was in Chicago uh -huh. I was working as a consultant for a software company. Okay. Um, was, this was back in the year 2007. Mm -hmm. And I went to this trade show. Uh, we had a very small booth that we... Uh, you know, took from the UK, so it was like a small pop-up. Right. Uh, it was actually at the show called AdTech. It was uh, advertising technology. Right, right. And um, uh, it was at Navy Pier um, in Chicago. And I remember, I remember it like yesterday because um, we we landed, we put the booth up, and we actually had no traffic. Okay. So oh no. Yeah. At the back of the hall, because they booked at the very last minute. There we go. They put you in the corner. I got you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, right, let's go around and see what's happening and see Good. if we can go and um, engage with, you know, some of the exhibitors and some of the uh, other attendees and so right. on. And then right. um, uh, something uh, happened, okay, because okay. what I saw was that about 80, 85% of the exhibitors were being very passive. They weren't actually engaging with the attendees. Okay. okay. They were actually waiting for the attendees to come to the booth and then actually have a conversation. Um, and then there was um, uh, two or three booths that were actually very dynamic in terms of engaging with the attendees, mm. yeah. um, questioning them, bring them onto the booth, telling their story, capturing the data, uh, and then obviously looking at how they could actually follow up um, after the event, okay? So they had a clear strategy. They were very proactive in their engagement. They knew exactly what the type of um, attendees that they actually needed to talk to. 
And I thought, why are these two, three or four companies doing doing it this way? Mm, yeah. And you've got the all the other exhibitors just being very passive. Right. And then that libel moment happened mm-hmm. when I remembered back to my timeshare training. There we go. Okay, good, good. I love when you can tie it back to something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I remembered that it was all about uh, engaging people in conversation. Okay, making it about them first. Right. Okay. And I thought, I really get this concept because it's totally been drummed into me mm-hmm. uh, from, you know, day one that I came into sales. Okay. And I saw an opportunity where, you know, 85%, I said, if 85% of the exhibitors here are not being proactive, mm-hmm. okay, then maybe I can actually help them, okay, to be proactive. Right. Okay? So... Uh, that's how Expo Star started. So mm. I did some research for about four or five months. Uh, right. I had those nagging doubts. Uh, I asked advice of people and they said, mm. well, the trade show is very competitive right. um, industry. Okay, you've got lots of players. Uh, you're, you're from a technology background. Okay, you know nothing about trade shows. How are you going to do it? So we actually had a lot of people advising me against going into the industry. Uh, but something inside said, no, this is something that's absolutely right. I actually believe in this. Good for you. Because, yep. Yep. Um, and then one weekend in early December 2007, mm-hmm. after four or five months of just, you know, um, going back and forth and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, listening to the left show, uh, yeah. you know, the, the devil on the left hand right, side the, and yep. the angel on the right hand yeah. side. <laughs> back and forth, yeah. Uh, back and forth. Yeah. Um, I thought, yeah, uh, you know, sort it, let's do it. Okay. Good so that you. that weekend, I put the website together. And luckily, obviously, I knew how to put Yeah, the you grabbed together. that from the past. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and then I put the website live that week, uh, that weekend. And then on Monday or Tuesday, I send out an email um, a newsletter to uh, some exhibitors that were exhibiting at a show in January in London. Okay. And then within the first week, I got my first order. Wow. Uh, so tell was, me about that order. How did that? So so how did that transpire? They they reached out to you because they saw your yeah, newsletter. Yeah, yeah. They saw my email. Email. They reached out and they said we need some help. Uh, demonstrating this golfing game and um, I thought okay uh, we can do that for you at that point I had no idea no idea yep (laughs) hey say yes say yes we can do that yeah I'll take the order yeah yeah so I I explained to them uh, what we do uh, and then I found luckily I knew two people uh, from my broadcasting days who were presenters Mm-hmm. Um, and I got them to um, go and work on um, uh, the trade show and be able to engage with the attendees, bring them, um, and then demonstrate the golfing game. And it was uh, it was um, a great success. And then um, tragedy uh, struck uh, at the end of December. Um, and you know you've got all of this momentum, you've got this excitement, you've just started the business. And then you get a call on a Saturday um, evening. Um, oh, uh, mom's fallen. Uh, oh, no. I have to take her to the hospital. And um, 
Yeah, so it's four o'clock on a Saturday morning. Uh, you know, wake up, go to the hospital, and the doctors say it's uh, not looking good. Uh, she's had a um, brain hemorrhage, oh, and then geez. by seven seven a.m., uh, she passed away. Oh, I'm sorry, Lee. So Jeez. this is uh, December the thirtieth, mm-hmm. uh, two days before New Year's. Wow. Um, and. Uh, it, it's like being hit by a truck yeah. and you don't know where to turn. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so yeah. So uh, from, you know, being on a high of starting your new business, getting those orders in yeah. and then bang, bang. Uh, back to zero. Okay. Yeah. And you think, how do I pick myself off after this? Yes. Um, so I took, um, couple of weeks we went back to Kashmir uh, that's where she was buried she wanted to be buried at home right um, and then came back and um, the thing that kept me going was um, that uh, my mom never gave up uh, yeah. even after my father died right right uh, she brought up seven kids on her own yes and I thought I'm going to use some of that energy of course um, yes and uh, I'm sure she'd want me to make a success for myself mm-hmm. okay and yeah. I used that uh, to really, you know, dive deep into the business and um, give it my all. And um, uh, and we did it. Okay, we um, for the first three years, uh, my goal was to to be able to, you know, um, survive, pay my mortgage, right. pay my salary, and put food on the table for table. the kids. Right. Right. Okay. okay. And the next, the goal after three years, as we got busier, was to take on my first employee. Okay. Wow. Okay. And then the next goal after that was move out of my home office into an official office. Official office. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I did that. So the next goal was to um, be able to pay the office rent and pay my uh, uh, my assistant. Okay. Yes. Yes. And then the goal uh, three years after that was to move into the city centre. Okay, because obviously we live uh, on the outskirts of Manchester. So right. uh, the goal then was to move into the city centre, uh, and we did that. And then uh, then the goal was to uh, you know get a couple of more employees. Right. Um, so by two within uh, ten years, we'd actually grown the company. Uh, we'd actually recruited a network of over 2,000 freelancers wow. uh, around the globe. Right. And we'd done projects um, from Los Angeles all the way to Sydney, Australia. Wow, that's okay. wonderful. Yep. Um, and for somebody who's actually come outside of the industry, mm-hmm. um, and then to be today, to be a market leader, and to be trusted by some of the uh, some of my peers in the industry who've been right. in the industry a very long time right um you know i'm very very proud of that um so i mean um, Lee, you you exude you've got perseverance resilience innovation creativity you've been able to pick up skills from different industries and adapt them to to what you're doing now so a lot of your not just the knowledge you've acquired the wisdom You've lived through this. You're using every aspect of your your real life education, whether it was tragedy with mom and dad, or the redundancy that happened with with uh, the jobs. And and you've 
I don't think it's luck that you end up in the right place at the right time. I don't believe in luck. I believe <laughs> you you had a strategy and you have this way of of knowing which road to to turn to, to turn on, and you you notice things. And I get wow, it, it's it's impressive. Uh, I'm proud yeah. of you, man. That's awesome. Yep. The the one the two instances in my life that actually helped a great deal was that number one, I was fortunate enough at a very young age to. Uh, start thinking about self-learning. Mm, okay? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, the first uh, one of the first ever books I got was Napoleon Hill's "Think and Grow Rich." Think and Grow Rich. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, and I remember some of the principles in there. And then, when I was age twenty-three, I had the privilege of attending. Um, a Unleash the Power Within with Tony Robbins okay. uh, in yeah. Birmingham. Yeah. This was back in 1993, well mm. before he was, you know, famous where he is right. now. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I had the privilege of doing the doing the fire walk. I was going to say you walked yeah, on yeah. fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, you know, uh, at the age of 23. So, mm-hmm. and that really helped with knocking door to door. Um, because it really kept me going. And um, the other thing was always working smart, mm-hmm. okay, uh, not hard. So right. I've always wanted to do it. Um, you know, even now, I don't knock on doors. I don't make cold calls, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Um, what I do do is I try to build relationships with the people that who can actually help me and mm-hmm. the people that I can actually help as well. Absolutely. Okay? Right. So right. what we do is we look for reciprocal relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that really is to, uh, the biggest learning point for me has always been to know your subject matter inside out. Right. Okay? So you mm-hmm. become the expert in your industry. Okay? Right. Mm-hmm. So in timeshare, I read everything that there was to know about that timeshare resort because you never knew what people's interests were. So if they were interested in boating, they could have been interested in golfing, okay? Mm -hmm. Or it could have been a paddle pool for their kids, okay? So um, things, it it really pays to know the small details, Mm -hmm. okay? Because you never know when you can actually use that. That's true. Um, um, And then in cable television, I made it my mission to actually learn about all of the TV channels that were on cable TV. Okay. Okay. Because you never knew what people's interests were. Absolutely. Okay. And then when it came to business to business selling, um, I wanted to know what their core challenges were. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So, right. Uh, with telephony. Okay. Or whether it was making money, saving money, yeah. uh, improving their lifestyle, uh, or improving the uh, business processes, whatever it may be. Uh, um, I've always made it my business to actually understand, right, how can I help people, Mm -hmm, right? Absolutely. Uh, And actually building myself with that knowledge. And if you want to be really good at, um, if you want to really be good in your industry, Mm -hmm. uh, I always say, um, take the time out to become the expert in that industry. All right. So That's great advice. um, And uh, by using that advice myself, um, you know, um, it's really, really helped me because what I always say again to business consultants, uh, to coaches, mentors is 
take a piece of your own medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Lee, all right. So um, I got a couple final questions for you. The first one is you are sitting down with seven to 10 year old Lee. Yeah. And you want to give him some life advice. What are you going to tell him? I would tell him, uh, always believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the universe uh, will always have his back. I love that. Um, and not to be afraid of anything. Um, and to try everything at least once. Don't uh, be afraid of trying new things. I love it. I love it. That that's wonderful advice. Um, yeah, you you definitely do things scared, which is um, I'm learning. I'm learning to do that at age 54. So thank you for that advice. All right. So now put on a different hat, and you're sitting down with young Lee, the businessman, entrepreneur. You're ready to get going in business. What business advice are you going to give him? Have a very clear strategy for your business growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, understand your who your target audience is. But the biggest learning point is to uh, build the best team around you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that will do the tasks that you need to be done. Mm-hmm. Don't recruit people. And this is... Um, a personal learning point when I started the business because when I was actually trying to grow the business I was actually hiring people uh, the wrong way okay? okay because I was hiring people who were like me and not based on the jobs that I needed to be done <laughs> <laughs> okay? interesting yep yep that's good yeah, okay. yeah. so yep. I think yep. that for me is to build a team around you that will get the jobs done that need to be done okay. and not necessarily the people who are like you. Okay. Because yeah. they don't need to like you. Uh, you don't need to like them. No. Okay. Um, so what you need to do is actually have recruit someone who's really good at that job. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and who also excels in that job and um, they have a vested interest and being the best at that job. Okay. No, so that's great advice. Yep. decide what needs to be done and then build a profile of the kind of personality or the characteristics that you need mm-hmm. uh, for that job to be done. Okay. Yep. And there's yep. a great system that we use uh, to enable that to happen. It's called IMA, mm-hmm. which is identify, modify, and adapt. And uh, the uh, the emphasis behind the system is that everybody in the world falls into four distinct uh, communication styles and personality styles. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Um, and if people want more information, I know that we're short on time, Drew. If they want more information, they can go to our website, okay. uh, which is www.expostars.com and uh, look at uh, a questionnaire, uh, which will actually tell them uh, what communication style they are and what kind of jobs they're more suit, uh, suited to. Okay, wonderful. Well, you know what? I know that the audience is going to want to hear more about what you do and, and, and connect with you. So what, what's the best way for the audience to reach out to you? Sure. Uh, the best way is LinkedIn, uh, where they can um, follow me uh, because uh, I do a lot of um, uh, thought leadership on the world of trade shows and face-to-face engagement. Okay. Uh, so uh, Lee Ali 
uh, if they want to look me up on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, they can find me, lee at expostars.com, which is my email. Um, and then they can also follow us on uh, Twitter, uh, which is Lee Alley 121 uh, the number 121. Yep. Uh, they can follow me there as well. But mostly, uh, I am on LinkedIn, and that's Wonderful. the best place to um, learn more about me, what we do, and how we can um, support businesses that want to get the most out of their trade shows. That's wonderful. Lee, this has been such a learning experience, certainly for me, and I'm sure the audience too. Thank you so much for coming on, and I'm grateful you're in my life and my community, and i got to thank Jack Gillet for introducing us. Um, And uh, he's spot on uh, about how wonderful a human being you are, Lee. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me, and um, uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, yeah, I I think we're very kindred spirits, and uh, it's been my absolute pleasure to uh, share my story with you. Thank you so much. All right, take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.